1: Log talk radio Good Thursday afternoon. I hope everyone is enjoying their day today. Uh I'm so excited about today's guest as I have a a very special guest uh, joining me today. So today's show is going to be great. She's uh, not on the line yet, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Um and hopefully she'll jump on the line um And if not, um, hopefully I can get her on the show at another time. She's very, very busy and has quite the extensive resume. Um, And I'm sure that she is um, a bit detained in something something very important. Uh, She is three-time Olympic gold medalist, Title IX expert, and professor of law, Nancy Hogshead-Makar. In the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles, she won three gold medals and one silver medal in swimming. She won more medals than any other swimmer at at the 1984 Olympics, and now she is an expert on Title IX. It has profoundly affected her life and her accomplishments, and uh, today we were going to talk about um, what Title IX is and how it's affected her life and the lives of many of the female athletes that she comes in contact with. Hello, Professor. Hello, Beth. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I was just giving you a, a bit of a um, an introduction uh, before you jumped on the line. I was hoping that was you. Yes, yes. Hopefully right on time. Exactly. Uh, right at 2 o'clock. I had just finished uh, giving a very brief introduction. All of your accomplishments are so extensive, as I was explaining to the listeners, that I cannot even uh, begin to uh, begin to get into all of them. I was reading over uh, your resume before the show. Um, I thought it would be great to have you on the show with the Olympics coming up. Um, you yourself being an Olympic champion, three gold medals, one silver in swimming, Um I think that would be a really great place to start. Um, What was it like representing our country and doing so extremely well, winning more medals than anyone anyone there at the Olympics?
0: Well, you know, it was interesting. I had been a world-class swimmer for eight years, but I was part of, you know, right smack dab in the middle of my career, what I thought was going to be the end of my career was the 1980 Olympic boycott. So we didn't get to go to those Olympics. And you know i had already been competing against you know the east germans and the soviets and the chinese and everybody and i i sort of i didn't grasp at the time how big the olympics were as compared to say a world championships where it's all the same people and mm. and i i have to tell you i was never more proud to represent my country but also um, it's such an international event that it, the Olympics represents the best of what humanity can do. And whenever you're watching the best of anything uh, that's, you know, table tennis or archery or equestrian or swimming or running or diving, it is it's it is inspiring. And um, so I had people, first, you know, it was in America, it was in Los Angeles, so people were, Really, just wonderfully gushy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had people from other countries who were also wonderfully gushy. And at first, I, c- I didn't really get it because I was like, you know, I won and your country, lost. But, <laughs> but <laughs> then, you know, I, I then I finally got it. It's like when I went to go see other events at the Olympics. It just it's a it's a new take. Um, there really is a sense of a world, a humanity that's present in the air.
1: So next week when all the Olympians um arrive um it's going to be quite a quite a shock I guess for them to to maybe going from only competing in their country or against a few countries to competing against uh well competing on a world stage.
0: Sure. I mean a lot of them are very well seasoned. I mean because of first title nine and then you had another wave of um, when uh, when athletes could get money so they weren't dependent on their parents to be able to support them, then you see careers being a lot longer. So some of these athletes are very experienced and seasoned, and, you know, this is their third or fourth or even fifth Olympic Games. Mm. Um, you know, but for the vast majority of them, this will be the one and only time that they'll get to compete, that they'll get to rub elbows in the in the um, Olympic um uh, you know, w- w- sort of where everybody stays. You know, the, all the teams and countries are all mixed up in the dorms. And, um, and you know, the Olympic Village is just an opportunity to really um, to make a lot of international friends, friends that I still have today from 1984.
1: That's great. That's tremendous. Um, I was reading um, you uh, – we're we'll getting into Title Nine now because I know that's your um, – your specialty, and you are an expert at Title IX, and you um, you just testified before the United States Senate, uh, the Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, mm-hmm. and and when I was reading your your transcript, you talked about how Title IX has profoundly affected your life. So if you could give maybe a, it's probably difficult maybe to give a brief overview, but, but somewhat of an overview of what Title IX is to listeners who have never uh, maybe heard of it or who aren't involved in sports, but uh, but maybe uh, maybe have children who they'd like to get into sports and, and can use this tool to help them.
0: Sure. Well, Title IX is a federal law that says that if a school receives any federal funds, so if they receive our tax dollars, but they can't discriminate. And by the way, Title IX is patterned after Title VI, which barred discrimination based on race, color, and national origin. After Title IX, there was an, there were there was an, another uh, statute called the Rehabilitation Act that was passed. And then after that, there was the age discrimination. So all four statutes really stand together, meaning that um, when something happens to them in the legal world, some to one of them, then something will happen to all of them. So, but it says that you you know basically you receive our federal funds, we don't want you to discriminate.
1: Mm.
0: We, we don't want to use these funds to to discriminate. So the Constitution only applies to um, schools that are public schools but a lot of particularly higher education, my university, Duke University, my law school, Georgetown University, uh, where I teach right now, Florida Coastal School of Law, um, they uh, receive a lot of federal funds via mostly student loans but also lots of grants, lots of uh, research grants and, you know, help with libraries and all kinds of things. So schools receive federal funds. Well, the thing that makes athletics different than everything else is – you know, when you look at a classroom and you see that it's 50-50 boys-girls, or even if you see that, you know, you're in one part of the school and maybe it's 80-20 girls-boys, and you look at another classroom and it's 80-20 boys-girls, that um, that that it's operating at all of those spheres. But what, what Title IX said is that you couldn't discriminate based on sex, meaning that you have to have sort of gender-blind or racial-blind or rehabilitation or, um, you know, if somebody has a, a disability, you have to sort of operate in a in a blind manner, meaning that um, for at, at Florida Coastal, I was chair of the admissions department for four years of so the, the faculty admissions committee, and we really didn't look at gender at all. We our classes turned out to be about 50 50, but it was just sort of happenstance that it worked that way. Um, but you know, we just looked at GPA, LSAT score, and then what other sort of criteria that students had that we thought indicated that they would do well in law school. Um, Uh, But but athletics is different, and here's why. Athletics are sex-segregated. So athletics, only athletics to you did you have to create a whole women's team. In the math department, you just had to allow women to be able to compete at the same basis that men did for a slot in the math department. Um, Not true with athletics. You had to create a whole new women's athletic department. So you you know you had to you know new basketball team new swimming team new new track and field team et cetera mm-hmm. and 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 so that's and the, the measure for whether or not there's discrimination is different than it is in the math program. The math program could be you know 80 percent female, ten percent male or vice versa, and be perfectly fine, but probably not in athletics
1: mhm. That's very that's very interesting. I hadn't really thought about that as far as like on um, already established programs and within a school you can just add girls, but having to to make a new uh, to make a new program for for you know a women's basketball team for example. I mean that's a whole new program.
0: You got to so. build new facilities. You got to hire a new mm-hmm. posts. You got to go out and recruit those athletes, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I I uh, when I grew up, I grew up. Um, my teen years were in the nineties, and my you know my formative years i guess my my pre years were in the eighties um and it you know it really wasn't encouraged for girls to play sports and and i didn't um I was more on that on the academic side and and I guess you know there weren't really many opportunities i mean you know. <laughs> I couldn't right. do gymnastics because I'm 5'10. <laughs> 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 and and cheerleading for that matter, <laughs> that was sort of a challenge too. Yeah. Um but uh, uh but yeah, yeah, yeah are, you know, I
0: mean you have to have the I mean your life stories you, it just shows that you have to have those opportunities. Um if you don't have the opportunity, uh, I I was really lucky that my family moved here to Jacksonville, Florida and uh he worked at a um uh, at a hospital that was associated with the Episcopal Church, so I had to go to Episcopal High School. And what do you know, there was one of the best coaches in the world, just happened to be there getting his coaching career started. He was probably all of 24 years old. Um, But, you know, he was well on his way to having, he's probably had 100 Olympians right now. I mean, he's, you know, a very, very famous coach, right? But how lucky of me, right? I just, I had to go to the school, and at this school, you know, and so, if I had gone to maybe your school uh and you didn't have a swimming program there, I would have a very different history there so you, you, uh, um, you know how interested kids are in doing something or having a uh developing a particular ability like you know music or art or mm-hmm. um uh, mathematics or physics depends on whether or not do they have any exposure to it do they right so in sports you have to create a whole new girls team in order for girls to be able to have that opportunity to 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 get interested in it
1: absolutely and this is the 40th year anniversary of Title 9 mm-hmm. and that's what you were celebrating up in uh up in Washington when you were testifying before the the Senate committee and you were you testified with some uh some very prestigious ladies, um, Billie Jean King being one of them, mm-hmm. um, who was I grew up watching and uh, took yeah. tennis took, took tennis lessons because of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but uh, and she was uh, in
0: full icon mode. She just, you know, she is amazing, um, and I got to spend a lot of the day with her. Um, I, I work for an organization. I'm not just a professor at the Florida Coastal School of Law. I'm also the senior director of advocacy for the Women's Sports Foundation, mm-hmm. and it was started by Billie Jean King. Bob Hope gave her some money after she won a celebrity tournament, and said, "Who do you want to give it to?" And she looked around. and She said, "You know, I don't really see anything that I want to give. it I really want to give it to an organization that's dedicated to women in sports." So she took the money and created the Women's Sports Foundation, and um, you know, so 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 so, the, so I was lucky. So she was speaking. I was speaking. Also, Dr. Mae Jamison, who is the first African-American astronaut in space, and um, she was amazing. She talked a lot about girls in STEM careers and how it is that we can encourage more girls to participate in those. We're one of the few countries that um, um, has a very limited number of girls in STEM fields, and our country is really missing out when we don't get the best out of all of our citizenry. And that's where the future jobs are of America. So these science, engineering, um, medical, and technology, and and uh, you know if we're not if if we as a country are somehow not figuring this out the way other countries have, then you know we as a country become very
1: disadvantaged. hmm That's that's very true. Yeah. I I um. Well, I was going to ask you um, the difference between 1972 and 2012 uh, yeah. with Title IX. Um, yeah. What have you seen? I mean, you've you pretty much you've pretty much seen the the spectrum of uh, of the uh, the 40 the 40 year spectrum of Title IX.
0: Sure. Well, like you know, you said you your formative years were spent in the late 80s, and you know, girls just really didn't play sports, and now you have about um, two out of every five girls play a high school sport, and so that is a sea change difference. That you know that as soon as you start hitting around the 50% mark, then it becomes normalized. Then it's not just a particular group. Like you said, I'm in this academic group. Well, if half the kids are doing it, then it's it's both the academics and the musicians and the people who are interested in technology and people from the chess club and the, right. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not any one particular group, and that is what is really revolutionary because athletes know that sports is a transformative experience, that to have control over your own body, to feel comfortable in your own body and your own skin and to feel some mastery over it to be able to know that you can take your body from point A to point B uh over a matter of months and watch the skill level go up and the you know speed and strength and everything else that um you know back in our day there were a lot of these movies on like the Lifetime channel that talked <laughs> about how women um uh that it was, the, the whole storyline was a uh, a woman who becomes self empowered through participating in sports and it's weird. We don't even see stories like that anymore because we we just sort of take it as a truism um, that that um, um, but, but having the 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 real so one of the biggest things that I've seen is just any stigma or any idea that you know girls didn't do that particularly at the at the junior high high school level is just g o n e gone. That is you know you might hear it there you know here and there. But, for the most part, it is you know what women do are, in athletics is really celebrated, particularly at you know I have young kids, so um, and I have a boy and I've got two girls and I really just don't see any difference between how the boys and the girls are celebrated at that age, but you know within their family and their social circles, there's a big difference in how they're celebrated in the media hmm. but within their their life's experience it's it's um you know parents and their family and supporters are are you know they they equally validate what it is that these kids are doing.
1: Hmm. Well that that's really terrific on the uh, on the personal level and really that's where it means the most. Uh-huh. Um whether or not you're celebrated in the in the media is I, I think sort of secondary to to what you feel inside the the transformation that you you feel the um the, the pride that you get from, from beating your own record or, or beating a world record in your case <laughs> the uh the uh um <clears throat> pardon me um the the just the pride that you would get from doing that is um yeah. Is I think I think so important and and that's why I wanted to talk talk to you today. You know, since it's the 40th anniversary of Title IX and we're getting ready to celebrate the 2012 Summer Olympics oh, in London, in London, um, they, they really coincide with each other and uh, and uh, the women who um, who are representing the United States, I'm sure, have benefited from Title IX just immensely and all the work that you've done in these past um, you know. Twenty years, eighteen years, um, with with Title IX, and you know, I read that you wanted to become a lawyer because you felt like understanding Title IX, in just to the nth degree, and understanding the you know the legislative language and and, how, and why it was passed and and all that would would uh, would benefit your um, your advocacy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's funny, it's true. I when I was uh, I didn't go to law school right after undergraduate. I took some years off and. I was, I had been the president of the Women's Sports Foundation, and Mm -hmm. uh, I I knew that's what was getting me into it. I had met some lawyers that I was very impressed with, and, uh, you know, kind of, you know how sometimes you'll look at somebody and you say, I can go there, and it was one of those experiences. And, um, but I really thought that the whole Title IX debate would be completely over by the time I graduated, right? I thought that, um, that, you know, there were some famous cases going on at the time, the legislature it it all seemed like you know it was just going to happen not in a million years but i still think today that i'd be you know talking to so many people on the phone about how to get more resources for their girls sports about how to how they should be treated the same way that the boys get treated what an important message that that sends out to everybody in the whole school not just to those particular kids um, I mean, I, I just never in a million years thought that we wouldn't be further along. I actually would be would have been probably a little depressed thinking about, you know, sort of how far it is that we have to go. Um, but we have definitely come a long way. We definitely have, but we still have a long way to go. And I would take issue. I, I know that it's important what family and friends think and what people's individual world, but the media coverage that women give that that the media gives to women athletes, I think, could really be the next wave for women's sports. They've um, had lots of participation opportunities thanks to you know their, the, the inability to, for institutions that receive federal funds to uh, discriminate based on sex. They've so had lots of sports opportunities. But if you don't see it in the media, if you don't see it uh, being celebrated, the way that the Olympics are celebrated, for example, it's hard to imagine that you could be it. And so... First of all, the Olympics are great because it is the, the 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 viewing audience is actually skewed towards females. It is the most highly watched sporting event by far in the world. And um and women and men, they don't seem to care if they're watching women or men. That mm-hmm. um you know, that all things are are are, are there. But until women get into the media a lot, it's very easy for people to fall back on those stereotypes that, A, women aren't very good athletes, and so they're not going to be inspiring to watch, or, B, that, um, that you know, women don't really have – it's not really their place to be in athletics. They're an anomaly, that the men, this is their field, and the women are just sort of these interlopers. You can have these stereotypical views if you don't see them in the media all the time. And I would say most of the people that I deal with who – Hold these views, and who are trying to weaken Title IX, they don't have young daughters who are out there participating, and and those those ideas only ring true if you just don't have that experience. So, um, so um, so I I do think that it's important that that women athletes um are portrayed in in uh, ways that allow you to really appreciate what kind of an athlete it is that there are that they are. Um, and and fort- unfortunately, right now, women feel that in order to get a lot of attention, they have to be sexy. And mm. sexy's fine in lots of situations, but in the, in the world of sport, it just doesn't develop fans. It doesn't develop people appreciating what somebody's doing as an athlete. So it may get them this laser-focused attention on them personally, but it will not uh, it will not help women's sports. Break into mainstream the same way that participation at elementary school, middle school college has broken into the mainstream,
1: yeah, that's very true i um I was just sitting here thinking, you know, can I really name a lot of female athletes that mm-hmm. i you know, and I really can't um it's true, it's very, very true what you're saying and and getting that recognition is is um it's just as important for men as it is for women. Mm-hmm. And um I, I totally uh totally get what you're saying there. Um and and really kinda opened my eyes to you know, to thinking, you know, you're just so used to hearing you know, you hear about all these male golfers, but you know, where are the women golfers? Right. Um you know, I really, you know, can't really think of any but, you know, you hear of even scandals about men <laughs> but you don't really hear about you know you know, maybe women are just too good. They just don't <laughs> The uh, women's
0: scandals compared to the male scandals, you know, are just really not in the same planetary system.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah. thank you so much for for joining me today and talking about Title IX. I think this is such an important subject. Yeah. I, you um, were... Just to disclose to all my listeners, you were my torts professor in law school, uh, both torts one and torts two. I did not take sports law, however, and I'm now regretting it <laughs> because I think I would have learned so much and may have found a uh, a new field of study, but but who knows. But I did want to add that one of your um, accolades is that you were named the 2004 Favorite Professor Award by the first Well, we call them 1Ls in law school. This is a first-year class, and that was my class. Oh,
0: well, thank you. I still have that award hanging on my wall in my office. It really, really, really really did mean a lot to me. It really did. I was...
1: Yeah, I was reading to through it. all of your accolades, which I mean, you know, I was going through them before before you um, before I put you on on live. I was going through all your accolades, and I was like, you know, <laughs> that's one that I had something to do with. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww. Thank laughs> so I'm going Thank to mention too. it. But um, oh, oh, can I can I
0: just put in one more
1: plug? One more thing.
0: Absolutely. And that is that um, if we're ever going to actually achieve the promise that Title IX holds out for girls, both academically and in um, and in athletics, it's going to take families to make that difference for their kid. That you really can't depend on the athletic directors uh, to be able to make this progress. A lot of times schools will say, "Oh, everything's fine here because we have the same number of sports for boys that we do for girls," mm-hmm. and um but the sports that they're offering for boys are much higher numbers of kids sports so they may have 100 football players uh they may have 35 baseball players and then, then on the other women's side like if they've got a tennis team it's 8 if they've got a gymnastics team it's 6 if they've got a um uh a golf team it's 6 if they've got a you know track and field team it'll be 10 Etc. So, like, you need to have, if, if you're going to have those high numbers of boys, it's going to have boys teams that have lots of players on them, you need to either, you need to, to find a lot, probably a lot more sports for girls to make the numbers equal out. Mm. Right? So, and right. that takes family. So we encourage people to both go onto our website, womensportsfoundation.org, and to call us. And we can really help them to get sophisticated enough to be able to go into the athletic department and really not just for their daughters, but for the next generation of kids who are coming down the
1: pike. Absolutely. Um it, it takes um, it takes a village but it also takes a family. Um and and to um to establish something now is to see it grow later on. Yeah. And, and that would be uh that would be a tremendous legacy to leave behind. It sure it would. would. It sure would. So, is there anything else you'd like to add, or um...
0: I don't, I don't think so. I'm looking forward to uh, school starting again uh, yeah. in the fall, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have another great, great group of students uh, just like you. Did you think that you got a good, uh, a good education at Florida Coastal?
1: Absolutely. I'm very proud to tell anybody that I went there, and I always mention the great faculty. I think the faculty is top notch. Um, I live here in Tallahassee, and um, you know, we have Florida State here, but I'd put it up against anybody, uh, Florida Coastal up against anybody. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody here thinks I went to Florida State, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I went to Florida Coastal, which is a, an absolutely tremendous school. And you know what? You were my first professor on my first day of class. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. you were, and I was so nervous. And I thought the way you taught your class was really, really great because, um, at least the way you were teaching then, we each had a section of, of tort law that we were to present to the class. Right, counsel for the day. Yes, counsel for the day, and that was that. <laughs> that, put a, <laughs> that put a lot of, of stress off of thinking that every day you had to know everything. You know, you felt like you could come to class, learn what the other students could present to you, and then, you know, and then do a, just as good a job when you um, when you did it yourself. So, I really, really liked that. It really helped take off those first year nerves, um, at I least could. at least in your class. So that was the uh, that was the feedback I had to give to you for that. I really loved council for the day. I'd forgotten the name of it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's been a while. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Now, I yeah. it Also, it really helps with writing too. I mean, usually, stu- first year students in particular are worried about. Uh, if you give them a problem, they're just they want to find the law. And what's much more important is that they learn how to do the analysis, right? That mm-hmm. they learn how to apply oh, the facts to the law. Yeah. And, you... Yeah.
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I'm just saying that, and that's that's what that exercise is designed to do. Is I give I give you the law and then you have to come up with
1: both the facts and the analysis. Right. Yeah. And that's that's like really the core of law school right there is the um is coming up with the um the analysis uh, applying the facts to the law and then analyzing what you've got there. So uh so that was that was really that was yeah. really great. I had uh had a really really good time learning torts is a fun class. Um. <laughs> it's crazy things. Yeah, I remember people doing little skits and stuff. It was really fun. I really enjoyed that. So, uh, so I'm sure that's why you earned favorite professor because we were all like, oh, we get to go to a fun class and <laughs> and learn um, learn about torts in a fun way. So oh,
0: good. Well, thank so you. Was, thank you for well, that.
1: Appreciate well, that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I guess we will finish up the day today. Thank you so much for your time. I know how valuable it is. Not only are you an expert at Title IX, a former Olympic champion, (laughs) and uh, director of the Women's Sports Foundation, but you're also a wife and mother, and I know that you are very busy. So I appreciate your taking the time to join me today.
0: Thank you very much for having me on. It's just, you know, especially it's always good to be able to, you know, talk to the media about my area of expertise, but to be able to do it with, you're actually my first ever former student that I've had an interview with, and I relish this opportunity. So thank you very much.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we'll end the show today. Thank you so much, Professor.
0: Okay, have a great day. Oh, You too. Okay, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.
1: <clears throat> And that ends the success design with Beth Shankel anderson today. I thank you for joining me. I hope you uh, got a lot out of today's uh, today's radio show. I feel like that Professor Hogshead was um, was incredible as usual. So um, I will see you back here at the next episode. Thank you. Bye. With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.